Um, I am Tabby. For those of you who do not know me, um, I am an adult in uh, our church. I help lead our focus transition team, and I'm just in this community. Um, I was asked to preach um, because I was a bully. I, it kind of backfired on me. I was teasing Melissa and basically was like, you should totally preach, not because I thought she should preach, but just because I wanted to be an annoying person. And then she realized that she was going to be out of town and volunteered me to preach. So here I am. <laughs> um, so moral of that story is don't be a bully to your friends. Um, I'm going to warn you guys, I will be rambling at some points, but I will eventually get to my point. Um, but just so you know, that's just kind of how I communicate. Um, our topic today is how do we communicate God's work as good news? Um, if any of you guys are actually note takers and righteous, you should probably write that down. Um, <laughs> so again, <laughs> how do we communicate God's work as good news? And then as you're all writing that, will someone be so sweet to bring me my tea over there? Um, it has a Texas on it. Sweet Ashley Molina or Chelsea, bless you. Thank you. Um, so how do we communicate God's work as good news? Um, I have really loved the, the assignments Brad has given us. Um, I think they've been a really helpful guide in um, helping us to think through, thank you. <laughs> Chelsea's always the person who ends up coming up here, no matter whether it's her husband or just her friend. <laughs> um, but a helpful guide in helping me be, at least for me, being more thoughtful when I go into scripture, I think it's really easy. I've been a Christian for uh, over 10 years now, so when you're reading scripture that long, it, gets, it can get a little bland. And so it is not uncommon for us to be reminded about how we should be thinking about um, what God's word says and how that should be impacting us. And so I think his assignments, if you guys haven't gotten to do them, have been really helpful in giving you a more refreshing perspective on that. Um, so like one of them was uh, communicating the one another passages, um, but looking at it from like how God's character is spoken through those and then being able to communicate that. Um, so I think it's been really helpful in that way. Um, it also helps us to think through what we do believe about um, Scripture and about God and how we're communicating it and living it out. Um, it's really easy to be a Christian in America. I was listening to this podcast this week. Um, if y'all want to go listen to it, I can't, can't remember the name, but the lady on it was Jo Saxton, and she was who like stuck out. She's from uh, Europe. She's from like Great Britain, and she grew up in a like six percent Christian culture. Like everyone there is basically agnostic, and they don't even go to like church on Easter. And so she was like, here, like, that is not the case. Like, everyone's a Christian, so it's kind of hard to, like, know, like, if someone's really a disciple or not. But that also means that your comms really being challenged on whether they're living out their faith or if they're, how they're communicating it, because we all kind of use this, like, coded language that no one really knows what it means, but it means that you're a Christian. And so um, I think by us learning how to think about it in a different way, that really helps us to stand out in that way. Sound crazy, but it's something I believe. I, and I can see that through the works of his apostles, and I can see that through the works of my life and other people's lives daily, but it is a very hard thing to communicate. Um, so being able to do that and make it relatable is a great skill to have. So in order to communicate God's work as good news, um, I think the simplest way is to share your story. Share some more on the complexities of that, but I do think that that is the best way for us to be able to share God's work as good news um, in a relatable and relevant way in this time. So in the meantime, before we get to those, I do want to um, discuss how we are people who relate to stories just as a whole. Um, stories show um, cultural values and beliefs. It's how they're passed down through, I would say, most cultures. I don't know every culture, so I can't say that with full confidence. 
but most cultures pass down um, specific values and their beliefs and even traditions through story. Um, I would, story is also why we are still um, reading for some of us, maybe not everyone, um, whether it is good or bad. So that's something we also need to be aware of in that like what we're watching and what we're taking in and what affects us and what we're starting to believe because of that. But just as a whole, story really does relate to us. Um, stories engage and connect us. It is already naturally how we communicate almost to a point of annoyance. Have you guys ever been in a conversation with someone and you're like telling them this really intense story and you're super into it and you're like waiting for them to ask you a question and then they reply with their own story? And then you're just standing there like, so we're done excited and so they wanted to immediately share that story. And so that's something I've had to learn because it's something I do and then I get like upset when other people do it. I'm like, so were you listening to me? Or did you just decide you were gonna tell this story? There's a stand-up, if you guys ever watched John Mulaney, which I would not suggest everyone in here watch John Mulaney, but, <laughs> but he's like setting up a story and he's like, so my friend was telling me the story and the whole time I was like, okay, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up so I can tell you my story. <laughs> like that was the whole, like his whole interaction with that. Um, and also we all know someone like that and if you don't, it's because you're that person. So you need to really think about when you're in conversations, are you just jumping straight to a story before actually like, responding to them, or are you like the person who just, you know, does never share? Either both sides aren't good, but always be ready to ask questions and then be able to share your story. Um, so yeah, storytelling I gave and like making it a habit to make it into our daily lives is that the more you're doing it, the more natural it'll be, and the more you'll notice those things, um, or notice in this, this particular message, like the good works that God is doing. And you need to be thoughtful about it and the way you use it. Um, I think in our culture, we have a tendency to um, get a little bit of a message and then like say it again with full authority as if we know the full picture. And so like someone will hear one part of the news and then will not read the entire article and they'll just go around like, did you hear what so-and-so did? And it's like, oh yeah, but did you see at the end of the article that this happened? And they're like, no, but I was upset at the, at the title. And I'm like, I don't really want to have this conversation with you then. Testament class, and one of my favorite ones was with um, Ian Proven or his class. Um, and I loved that class. One, because he has this like really great accent. Um, also, he is just a savage. Um, he had this one story where he was, he's like just talking about heaven. And he like, he's like, you know, when people are talking about like, when they get to heaven, they're going to talk to Paul about this. And then they're going to talk like, to Timothy about this. And he's like, what makes you think that they're going to want to talk to you? I was like... Know my place, know my place. <laughs> like, and this is an audio shit in a shorter amount of time. Um, it really gives you a better idea of like what the purpose of like scripture is. Like you get a better idea of the overall story. Like we have a tendency just to kind of read like chunks here and there. And then we are making this overall story from those chunks. And it's so important that we like really get an, an, a whole overview of it. And so he, um, for that class, we, and for other parts of our uh, internship, we had to read the entire um, Bible. And what he did a really good job of was just understood and how he was really purposeful in relating to them through story. Um, so that is something God has been doing from the beginning, and it's also something that has still connected with us to this day. And so um, most of the stories in the Old Testament were just about people's lives, but all of them all did a really good job of pointing back to God, to God's character, and that is what our stories need to do, which, and that is what we need to be purposeful in doing when we share our stories. So when I say, like, make sure you're being thoughtful about 
um, sharing. So in order to be able to tell our story, um, we first must um, know God's character. And that's something that's been pretty consistent through the sermon series. Um, If we are telling our story and it's simply based in your emotions or this one-off experience that you had, um, that can really present a, a pretty skewed view of Jesus. I really hate that train. I'm just going to wait it out, guys, because, like, I am so easily distracted. It is just not going to happen. Like, <laughs> so I'm going to sip my tea <laughs> as that happens. <laughs> like, by God's hand. And that's not necessarily a bad theology, but it can be about theology and how we use it. Like, I don't really, and I think even Brad has said this before, like, I don't really want to know if I'm giving credit to God for a parking spot. But I will give God credit for things that he's like clearly showing to me. And I say that as a pretty skeptical human. I went through some stuff like about a year and a half ago, and God was very consistently showing a message to me. It took about a month for me to understand like, oh, like, no, you're serious. This is the message. And that's okay to acknowledge, but if you're just doing it to like present this idea that everything is good, but you're not presenting God's character, it's really not purposeful. And then on the other extreme, it's not giving God credit at all, which is where I can lean because I, like, am skeptical of all things. And I'm like, you know, does God really care about these things? Is God really concerned about this? And he's made it very clear to me. He cares about a lot more of my detail, the details of my life, than I even am aware of. Um, And so I really, I try to be, I'm trying to be more mindful of the fact that, like, that. And you can also kind of, not kind of, you can also remedy that by making sure, like, that you are in scripture, like, so often that we make those kind of mistakes is because we are not connecting with God on a regular basis on the very resource that he gave us. And so we don't really know how to think about things because we aren't reading his word. And so it's going to make it really hard if you guys are, or all of us, I mean, I'm guilty of this too, if we're trying to translate what's happening in our lives and try and make sense of something, and yet we're refusing to read scripture. Um, don't simply go by your feelings because your feelings, although like as we've probably heard these Note it, we are really forgetful and we are so quick to like ask God for things when we are in dire need and then it happens and then we're not praying anymore or we're not thankful anymore because we like fail to remember like he is who provides, he is who's over all of this and we're just kind of like, oh, everything else is working out right now so I don't really need to ask God for anything. But being purposeful and noting those things will keep your mind, will hopefully keep your mind pointing back to God and remembering that bad place to be like, God never answers me. God is refusing to talk to me. God is not providing me in this way. And it's so false. But when you're just so deep in that place, it's really hard for anyone to speak truth into that or to even point out the good because you're just so deep and set in that place. And so again, like I think for me what's been most helpful is having that because when those like harder times come up, I can see that like, no, actually God's really been faithful. Sometimes life is just hard. Um, and being able to come back to that and like point to that. Sometimes it's just our stubbornness. A lot of times when I talk to people, it's like, you aren't even really asking God if that's what he wants for you. You're just telling him and hoping he'll work it out. So like really like pay attention to that. If he's communicating to you something else, like write it down because you're going to have a forgetful moment and you're going to pray for the exact same thing later. And then you're going to be like, oh, why hasn't God answered me on this? And it's like, he did. Like you just weren't listening. So make sure you're paying attention. If you're going to ask for something, then wait for the answer. God works in each of our lives, but almost every time I have been in a room with other Christian and some other Christians, and someone asks um, to share good news in the room, everyone falls silent. Normally, people start eventually sharing, like a few minutes in, but it normally takes a while. 
Um, and obviously that shouldn't be the case. Like we should have that on the tip of our tongues at every moment. But we just aren't really thoughtful about that. And I think part of that is, again, like we live in this Christian culture where like it's normal to be a Christian. So you don't have to be grateful for the fact that you have a place to meet and a beautiful place to meet at that. You don't have to be grateful for the fact that you have a meal provided for you daily. You don't have to be grateful for the fact that you are getting an education. You don't have to be grateful for the fact that you're not a refugee. Like there are just so many things that like you could be grateful for that you could say is good news today. And we don't. Like we all literally look at each other like, does this count as good news? And it's like, yes. Like, if, if you, that was popped in your head, then yes, say it. Um, and that hesitancy, I think, is what is, is, comes a lot from just not knowing um, like that question, like, is this good news? And I think if you are making sure that you're grounded in scripture, that that will naturally um, come out. Um, And also, if God is communicating something for you and you are given an opportunity to share it and you don't, that's incredibly selfish. Um, and I say that because it is not, I think we have it in our heads like God talks to us like, or should talk to us on a daily basis. Like, let's all remember the story of Moses. That wasn't a, like a consistent conversation. Like, that happened over a long period of time. Um, and God, like, I know for me, like, speaks in whispers in my life and, like, I can note the number of times that that has happened. And it is not like, I can't, it's more, less than five times in my life. And even those times, I'm, I've, again, I questioned it for like a month before I was like, I got you, I hear you. Um, but being able to like communicate that needs to be something that we want to, that we really want to share. It's a huge deal if God has communicated something to you and then you're keeping it to yourself. Like, why? Like, I think part of it for me, I know, can be like, I don't want to be open. I don't want to, like, share. I don't want to be vulnerable. But, like, you are made to glorify him. Like, so do that. Like, be uncomfortable. Open yourself up. Be vulnerable and share his story. Um, so, yeah, just making sure that you are purposely writing these things down and, and really paying attention. And then... Um, just, just choosing to share it. Practice makes perfect. And then you want to just keep repeating that. So yeah, you're going to be thoughtful. You're going to really try and, and pay attention to what God is doing in your life. And then you're actually going to actually share it. Um, and that's something that you're going to have to keep on doing. I know that I can be um, a little cocky when I like am taught a lesson by God. I'm like, I got this now. This will no longer be a problem. I'm going to be a great sharer. And then like a year later, I'm like, didn't I already learn this lesson? Like, why are we still doing this? Like, <laughs> And I, I think, I mean, God is really just faithful and like a patient father and really good with us about consistently like teaching us because we think that we like have it and we really don't, but he doesn't just like let us keep moving. Each time he's going to keep growing you in that area until you're done. And for a lot of us, that'll be a really long time before you're done. Like I am in what, my fourth or fifth year out of the internship and literally each lesson that I learned in the internship, I am still learning. It is infuriating because you would think I'm a grown woman and I would get it together, but no. But God has been very faithful, very kind, and very patient with me. Like, I am stubborn and he is patient with me. Um, he is very loving in that, like, he's willing to repeat the message when honestly, I would have smited all of us if it was me. Because, like, we are obnoxious. That's one thing about reading the entire Bible is that, like, you see, I mean, so many people look at the Old Testament and they're like, God was so mean. And I'm like, the Israelites were the worst. Like, you're lucky he didn't smite everyone. Like, I just, I think we need to remember, like, that introspective part of us. Like, 
you are really not that great. You are actually pretty infuriating as a person. And God has chosen you and loves you and provides for you and is using you in his story. Like that is a huge deal. But we think, something in us thinks like, I'm significant, and you are, because God made you significant. But you as a person are probably, without God, a horrible person. Like when it comes down to it, like we can be our most, the most selfish people. A lot of the decisions we make are, best on, are based on our own personal experiences, and we don't always think of others. And like that's what Jesus is constantly pointing us to. And that is, again, why it is so important that we all be in Scripture. We need to be consistently reminded to be like Jesus, because being like us has not worked out really well for us. And I say that like as a whole. Like we just, as a people, are so forgetful about what it is to be a Christian that we just kind of be good people. So we, we do enough, but we don't really, kind of what, what Brad was talking about last time about touching a leper versus just healing the leper. Like we need to be the people who go above and beyond to really love people. I'm sorry, that was kind of a rant. I'll get back on here. Um, I would also say we do some really great jobs of asking questions, but we're not really deliberate in sharing our own story. Um, so I would just, if you're one of those people, and I think it's a lot of it's oftentimes people who are pretty private and don't even realize that they're private until someone calls them out on it. I know for me that happened. Um, but if you're someone who's like consistently asking questions, but then like when someone turns it around on you, you don't know what to do, it's because you're probably like too private of a person. Like you're just not used to sharing your story. And that can look like a good quality in this world because everyone likes to talk about themselves. But what sucks for that, if you're a Christian and you're supposed to be sharing your story and sharing what God is doing in your life, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to do that, even though people are giving you that opportunity. So really prepare yourself to, for those kind of interactions. If, if you're going to ask a question, be ready to answer the same question. Um, don't just be the person who's listening. Be deliberate and, and really um, engage people on what you, what's going on in your life so that way you can share your story. Um, if you really believe that one-on-one -on -one is how it's done, then you need to be sharing. We live in a time where a lot of things are vying for our attention and even shaping our views. Um, people are coming to conclusions about God based on hearsay instead of experience and exposure to God's work. Um, we can be the people to, who expose them to that. I don't really care for that word, but that's the only word I could come, of, come up with. English is not my first language, so we'll just go with that. Um, Anyway, your story is being shared is not being shared on Netflix. Like no one else is streaming what's going on with you. You will literally have to like share your story on purpose if you expect your story to be heard. And like Paul said, always be prepared in and out of season. And then I just had some warnings on sharing your story um, and demonstrating God's work. Um, as you prepare to share, what, um, make sure that you are ground, grounded in God's work. Sometimes we share stories because we just want to be heard and we think we're wise. Now, I don't think we realize it when we're doing it because um, we have the best intentions. Um, but I really liked what Brad said last week about sharing our story of, about self-deprecating things about ourselves. Uh, if your stories tend to end with you being the good guy or you being like looking great at the end of it, something probably isn't that great about that story. Um, you really want to consider, like, is my story showing how God has worked in my life? Um, and that means that you're going to be vulnerable and that you're going to share parts of yourself that you really don't like, but that God is working in. Um, so really consider the stories that you're sharing. Don't try to be the one who's glorified in that story. Remember, the goal is to glorify God in it. Um, and then are you, let, are you letting the, world, the word shape your reality? 
Um, sometimes when we share stories, we um, act as if it's scripture itself, um, as if it's the truth itself. And so making sure that like, when you're coming like, and comparing your story against scripture, is it lining up with what God has been doing and is doing? Um, do not just go on on your own little like, I'm sure that God means this, so let me share this story, because for my life, this must be what it means. Again, you are significant because God loves you. But you probably aren't the one who's changing the story on how he's doing this, so try and stay in line with what he's already doing. Um, he, may be, he may use you to do something significant, but that doesn't mean that like, you have to go out on your own and figure that out. You should be cons consistently connecting with God on what he wants you to do, and again, using his resource to do that. Um, I think that also means uh, sharing that with people who are in the church. If you are trying to share a story, like um, again, Brad has pointed out, Share it with, with each other. Um, they'll let you know if your story sounds crazy or if your story doesn't seem to really be based on scripture but a story that makes you look good. Make sure that you're sharing it with people around you who know you and your um, tendencies and your attitude towards things and they can point out how you can change some of those things. Um, and then remember that you are a part of something bigger. I've kind of beat up on everyone here. I want y'all to know that's just my, inner, my relationship with God. I'm pretty consistently having to be reminded that I'm not the significant human that I think that I am, um, but in a more humbling way, in a way of like, I am part of a bigger story, which is a bigger deal. It's not about me being the big deal, it's about being a part of the big deal itself. Um, as of right now, we know the beginning and we know the end, but we are still in the middle of it, and that really is amazing. You are a flawed person, and again, God has chosen you to be a part of his story, so we really need to be faithful in sharing that story. Um, so yes, you don't get to know the whole thing. We just know the beginning and the end, and right now we're kind of just walking through the middle of it. But Yahweh himself has included you in his story. So again, be faithful. Thinking of the bigger picture also means that when we think of God's work as good news, we cannot forget what makes them good. Um, we are pretty, I feel like our definition of good really lies on like what feels good instead of like what's truly good. And you have to remember that a lot of things that come out of hardship are what's good. Um, the struggle itself is what makes that, that moment good. I think of, um, I know with my own situation, I, uh, a year ago, was it a year ago when I couldn't work? Yeah, I couldn't work a year ago for like a month. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm under DACA, and uh, for some reason our applications were taking a longer time than normal, and so for a month I could not work. At the time, though, I did not know how long I could not work. Um, and I just remember, uh, before that happened, God gave me this piece of like, I'm going to take care of you. It's fine. Like, and also this very clear message of like, it's okay not to be okay. And I remember thinking like, but I'm okay. <laughs> and later on, that message was really vital for me because when I wasn't okay, I knew that it was okay with God. And that was like a real big freedom for me in knowing that. But, um, that whole like month was really hard in a lot of ways, but like what was really beautiful about it was like being able to see how God was working. Um, I had people offering to pay for my car note. I had people offering if, if it didn't work out for a place to stay. Um, I just had all these people like, but without me asking, mind you, offering um, finances, offering a place to stay, trying to find it, other jobs for me, like little side jobs so that I could like have some type of income coming. Just being really faithful as God's people. And even some of them weren't God's people. God literally was providing in every different way. He had told me before, and at that whole time, at no point was I in a panic. 
because he warned me beforehand, which was really faithful of him, knowing his child, I'm high anxiety, I am a major control freak, and in that situation, I really should have panicked, but I never had to. But I also was given the, the ability to be, to be sad and to be able to say, like, yeah, I'm not okay, I'm not great. But like, that was the good news. For me, that was the good news, that like, I didn't have to act like everything was okay, and I didn't have to act like bad things aren't happening in the world. Like, sometimes, I'll get into that. We'll get into that in a second, I'll stop right there. Um, but just remembering that you are a part of a bigger story, and that also means that sometimes like, your good news is happening in the midst of a lot of chaos and a lot of sadness and a lot of pain. And so don't forget like, those things need to also be told. I think that's also something that we kind of fail to do in sharing the good news, is we only tell, like, God healed me, but you don't really tell about, like, I couldn't walk for five years but God healed me. Like, people need to know that you couldn't walk for five years to know the amazement of this, like, you being able to walk now. Being able to share your entire story is what makes it beautiful because you have been taken out of something that's really dark into, into the light. Um, and you, and it, it just is impactful. Like, people hear those stories, and, they have, and it's harder to, to, not to argue, but it's harder to not humanize that person and to not really relate to that person. And that's how God is, has chosen to relate to us, by really telling stories and using stories to bring people to him. Um, my last warning is um, for you to stay in your lane. Um, <laughs> you should stay in your lane. Um, so I don't know if, if you haven't read the Narnia series, like, get with it. It's actually older than most of us in this room. So the reference I'm making is from The Horse and His Boy. There's a, at the very end... Uh, Aslan tells this little boy, he's like, what about so-and-so? Because he's asking about what happened to another character in the book. And he just shuts it down. And he was like, that's not your story. <laughs> and like, does not tell him what happened to the other person. And I was like, that's his friend. <laughs> like, why can't he know? But I think that is also something that we need to remember. Like, we try and speak into situations. Like, we know the details of it all. And like, you don't. <laughs> so don't. Like, don't act as if you know the situation. Um, this is kind of what I was getting to earlier. A lot of the times, like, your good news in that moment for that person who's suffering is that Jesus wept, that God mourns with you, that God also has a desire to, for, the, like, for healing and hates that, that the pain that we have to go through. Like, that is the God we serve, a God who understands our pain, has went through our pain, and has overcome that pain. But we are so quick to try and clean up a situation. And you don't need to. Like, don't try and clean it up. Don't act like you know more than you do. People don't like that. <laughs> So don't. If you guys really, if we really want to be able to relate to people, just share your story. Your story is still being told. Your story is of you being broken and being made whole. That is a beautiful story on its own. You do not need to add anything else to it. So make sure that you are being faithful in sharing that story. You don't want to be Job's friends who are trying to throw in little hints of wisdom that come from them, like it is not from God. We want to be people who, if we're giving wisdom, it is, we know it is from God. So don't try and speak into something that you know nothing about. A lot of times, all you can really do is be there. Showing up is enough. That, in their story, that is a huge deal. In the person you're trying to minister to, that is a huge deal. In this, my story in this last two years, the people who have just showed up are a huge deal in my life. The people who try and like throw in like little bits of wisdom that they think is helpful and are, are will well-meaning 
are the people I've had to like rebuke and say like, no, it's okay that I'm sad in this moment. Like, it's a sad moment. I'm allowed to be sad. And God has confirmed for me that it's, I'm allowed to be sad. But if you are having a hard time, you don't have to be in this story. So don't be the person that people have to push away because you're trying to put on another story that isn't their story. Um, so remember, the good news is more than just being a part of the happy part and about cleaning it up. The good news is that God is involved. Like, that really is enough. Like, we don't have to make God a bigger deal. He already is a big deal. And the fact that God has chosen to participate in our lives and has chosen to minister through us, through each other, is a huge deal. And I just don't think we really grasp that. Like, the creator of this world who made you, and you really shouldn't exist if we want to talk about the biology of that, he thinks you're valuable and worthy enough to be a part of his story. Were you shocked by that? Because <laughs> that's a fact. It's almost impossible that most of us are born. Like, it's just very hard to get pregnant or whatever. So do you want to go more into that? You looked a little more intrigued by that. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so my assignment to y'all is... <laughs> when you make faces at me, I'm going to communicate with you. I would much rather have one-on-one -on -one conversations than be up here. I wasn't, I wasn't at you. Okay, okay. <laughs> so my assignment to y'all is um, to sit down, stand, whatever you got to do, but think about wh what good that God has done in your life, and then write it down. Um, and I say that as someone who is not a writer. I don't create, consider myself as like a creative person. I know this church is full of a lot of creative people, and that's awesome. But for those of us who aren't, don't be discouraged in writing that down. Um, and I say that because we are, again, so forgetful. Um, and it really is helpful to be able to go back and read how God acted in our lives um, when we really thought we were in the pit. And like to be able to see that um, when you are out of it is really helpful. Or when you get back in it, to be able to see how God was working in the midst of that. Um, once you get in the habit of, of this, do it more and more. Um, make sure that you are sharing it. Um, and remember, it is a skill that can be used for God's glory. If we stay in the word and let the spirit lead us in sharing it, it can really glorify God. Um, so don't let yourself get in the way of what God is doing, um, and don't make it overcomplicated. Your story is enough because God is enough, and he can work through it. He's worked through much more weird things than your story, so let him do that. All right, um, that's it for me. So what we'll do now is have people share who um, got to do the assignments that Brad gave, did anyone get to do the assignment? I'm going to tell them. <laughs> um, that's totally fine. Um, that means that we'll get out a little bit earlier. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Grant share his. For those of you who didn't get to read it on um, Facebook, um, that was a really good story, and I thought it was uh, worthy to be heard again in here. Um, Grant doesn't think so, but <laughs> we all really love it. So uh, we'll read, he'll read that. Do you mind praying over communion, uh, Grant? And then uh, we'll do communion. Thanks, guys. So I decided to read uh, two scriptures, one before and one after the story, that are kind of like what... It's like the story is communicating the truths that are in those scriptures. Um, the first one is uh, in John when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Um, so... He's, he's with the disciples right before he's going to be crucified, and he knows that one of them is going to betray him, and that's kind of the scenario. And he says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher, 
If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I don't really know of a more challenging scripture than that. Because he's saying like, okay, you're going to call me Lord. If I'm like your, your master or your Lord, then you can't be higher than me. And I'm going all the way to the bottom. So there's like a ceiling. If you want to raise yourself above, you know, tying a robe around your waist and washing people's feet and going to a cross, then you can't do that if you're calling me Lord. There's like a ceiling that we can't exceed. And it's a very low ceiling. <laughs> and I've always been so challenged by that. Um, so that's some of what this story is about. So I'll just read it. The sun beamed down on a forest grove. Its warmth turned the dew into mist that rose from the grass and filled the air. It filled the place. It was a place full of lush vitality. You could look anywhere and your gaze would land on something blossoming into life. Grass, trees, berries, flowers, everywhere you look, and a patch of grapevines. The grapes there, um, the grapes that grew there were a simple bunch. There's little cause for excitement in a life that consists entirely of sitting around. They would feel the breeze, the warmth of the sun, the cool of the night, and enjoy the vibrant scenery all around them. They started out as hard little green grapes, and as they grew, they ripened, and eventually they would shrivel and die. They were mostly silent, but a few, time, a few times a day they would comment about things. These grapes can talk, by the way. <laughs> uh, I didn't think the sun would be so warm today. Is that the same squirrel from yesterday? This rain feels good. Nothing interfered with this simplicity, which is why the appearance of a human was such an unprecedented stirring. A man approached the grapevines and started taking clusters in his hand. He examined the grapes closely, one at a time. He plucked a few dozen and put them into a leather bag around his shoulder and walked on. All the grapes were intrigued. They'd never experienced anything like this before. The man started coming every few days and plucking some grapes. He became the first topic of conversation that they ever particularly cared about or focused on. What happened to the grapes after he plucked them? Did they stay in a leather bag forever? Some speculated that, that maybe there were other grapevines different from their own. Did they get unplucked onto a different vine? Why would he relocate them? What interest did he have in them? Everybody had their own theory. One grape, Ray, who resided toward the bottom of his cluster, spoke up. I say we launch an investigation. Everybody got quiet, intrigued by the idea. Violet, one of Ray's neighbors, wriggled slightly closer to, toward Ray, <laughs> which was the full extent of her mobility, and asked, how might we do that? How would we launch an investigation? I've been thinking and I've got an idea. I've noticed that there's a pouch in the man's hat that a few of us could fit into. When he comes back again, we'll wait for him to crouch down and examine the cluster underneath us. Then a few of us will wriggle ourselves off of the vine and try to land in his hat without him noticing. That way we can go along with him. In a few days, when he comes back again, we'll wriggle out of his hat, land on the ground, and bring back the news of discovery. After much discussion, the plan was agreed upon. Ray and Violet would be the volunteers. The man came again, wearing his hat. He examined each cluster as meticulously as ever. He got to the cluster underneath Ray and Violet and looked closely, his hat just a short drop below. They wriggled off the vine, rolled down the dome of the hat, and right into the pouch. <clears throat> they were off. <clears throat> when the man finished plucking from their grapevine patch, he walked away and dumped the grapes from a leather bag into a wheelbarrow. The two grapes' horizons broadened like never before from the vantage point of the hat. They saw beyond their little grove for the first time. They traversed pastures, roads, and forests. 
The other grapevines were real. The men plucked uh, from other vines just like their own, and they all went into the same wheelbarrow. Eventually, he stopped gathering grapes and hauled the wheelbarrow home. When they got to the man's back porch, Ray and Violet witnessed a surprisingly complex process. He took off his hat, set it down on a table. He cleaned a trough, washed all the grapes in the wheelbarrow, and dumped them into the trough. He washed his feet and began to step on the grapes repeatedly. Instead of hundreds of distinct grapes, their skins burst, the fruit squeezed out, and they became one thick pulp. The pulp was scooped out and transferred into a cylindrical wooden device that pressed down on the pulp, separating it into liquid and solid. From there, it was hard to follow the process. From what they could gather, the liquid was transferred to several glass containers, wooden barrels, and eventually to small glass bottles. After a few hours of this, the man gathered his things, including his hat, and went inside. He set his hat down on the counter. Ray and Violet would never have imagined anything like this, and they had no idea what the point of it all could possibly be. They saw another human, this time a woman, engaged in equally foreign activities. She wore an apron, worked with vegetables, meats, grains, and sauces. She started transferring the ingredients to porcelain containers and setting them on a table. The man came back with one of the grape bottles. They sat down at the table and ate. They opened a grape bottle, poured it into glasses, and drank. They talked and laughed for almost an hour. Ray and Violet didn't talk that night. They didn't know how to take it all in, and they thought it best to sleep on it. The morning brought clarity, and they both knew how they felt about it. Ray broke the silence. This is an outrage. It's so brutal, so violent. Violet nodded understandingly. He continued. All the crushing and pressing, they weren't even grapes anymore, just pulp. What right, what right do they have to come and interfere with our lives and destroy us? The humans subject us to all this pain, and for what? So they can indulge in a nice little drink with their meal? We have to stop this. I don't know how we can, but we have to try. Violet thought differently. Ray, I think it's beautiful. Confused silence. She went on. All we grapes ever do is sit around, wither, and die alone. These humans are giving us a chance to be a part of something meaningful, something that can reach beyond the borders of our skin and touch others. Sure, there's pain in it. I know it would be unimaginably painful to get crushed and pressed and mixed and all that, but can you not see past the pain? Imagine to be one with all the grapes from all the other vines, to be made into something special and noble, to look at how joyful it made the humans. It brought them together. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of something like that? Is it worth dying alone and empty just to keep from getting crushed? But Ray could only look through the lens of self-preservation. Anything that necessitated his destruction was an unforgivable evil. The man grabbed his wheelbarrow, leather bag, and hat, and made another grape outing. When they got back to Ray and Violet's home patch, they wriggled out of the hat. Ray landed on the ground, where he sat safely and alone for a few more weeks. He shriveled into a raisin, rotted, and died. Violet aimed carefully and landed into the leather bag. So that's the story. And I'm going to read from Philippians 2, uh, which will kind of bridge between that story and communion. Um, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this, have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him highly and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory and Father, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.